Section 3 of Why Do We Need a Public Library? This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Why Do We Need a Public Library? Part 3. Compiled by material from various authors by Chalmers Hadley, Secretary of the American Library Association. A World Without Books by J. N. Larned. What if there were no letters and no books? Think what your state would be in a situation like that. Think what it would be to know nothing, for example, of the way in which American independence had been won and the Federal Republic of the United States constructed. Nothing of Bunker Hill, nothing of George Washington, except a little half-true and half-mistaken that your fathers could remember, of what their fathers had repeated, of what their fathers had told to them. Think what it would be to have nothing but shadowy traditions of the voyage of Columbus, of the coming of the Mayflower pilgrims, and of all the planting of life in the new world from the old world stocks, like Greek legends of the Argonauts and of the Heraclidae. Think what it would be to know no more of the origins of the English people, their rise and their growth in greatness, than the Romans knew of their Latin beginnings, and to know no more of Rome herself than we might guess from the ruins she has left. Think what it would be to have the whole story of Athens and Greece dropped out of our knowledge, and to be unaware that Marathon was ever fought, or that one like Socrates had ever lived. Think what it would be to have no line from Homer, no thought from Plato, no message from Isaiah, no sermon on the mount, nor any parable from the lips of Jesus. Can you imagine a world intellectually famine-smitten like that, a bookless world, and not shrink with horror from the thought of being condemned to it? Yet the men and women who take nothing from letters and books are choosing to live as though mankind did actually wallow in the awful darkness of that state from which writing and books have rescued us. For them it is as if no ship had ever come from the far shores of the old time where their ancestry dwelt, and the interest of existence to them is huddled in the petty space of their own few years between walls of mist which thicken as impenetrably behind them as before. How can life be worth living on such terms as that? How can man or woman be content with so little when so much is offered? Bookless Homes by the Oregon Library Commission The bookless homes of the well-to-do people are familiar to all. Inside those walls no books are to be found but a few gift books, chosen for their bindings rather than their contents, and perhaps others which some agent has pressed upon them. What can be done to stimulate reading in these homes? Ten-cent magazines and cheap stories are devoured by mother and daughters, to the destruction of sane thoughts and connected ideas. The man of the house each day reads his newspaper containing accounts of crimes, accidents, and the funny paper. Happily, it also contains articles of travel, invention, and discovery, otherwise his brain would be weakened. Young people come from these bookless homes to college each year, showing great confusion of ideas, vacuity of mind, and utter lack of information. They need us, need libraries, need the force of the state to help them. 
94 percent of our young people never get to college 90 percent it is said never go to school after they have passed the age of 14 years the contribution of the library is to elevate the standard of the town books depicting noble earnest well-meaning lives will cause the social standard to progress and other standards with it need of free libraries by f a hutchins a library is an essential part of a broad system of education and a community should think it as discreditable to be without a well-conducted free public library as to be without a good school if it is the duty of the state to give each future citizen an opportunity to learn to read it is equally its duty to give each citizen an opportunity to use that power wisely for himself and the state wholesome literature can be furnished to all the readers in a community at a fraction of the cost necessary to teach them to read and the power to read may then become a means to a lifelong education the books that a boy reads for pleasure do more to determine his ideals and shape his character than the textbooks he studies in the schools. Bad and indifferent literature is now so common that the boys will have some sort of reading. If they have a good public library, they will read wholesome books and learn to admire Washington, Lincoln, and other great men. Without a library, many of them will gloat over the exploits of depraved men and women, and their earliest ambitions will be tainted. Each town needs a library to furnish more practice in reading for the little folks in school. It needs it to give the boys and girls who have learned to read a taste for wholesome literature that informs and inspires. It needs it as a center for an intellectual and spiritual activity that shall leaven the whole community and make healthful and inspiring themes the burden of the common thought, substituting by natural methods clean conversation and literature for petty gossip, scandal, and oral and printed teachings in vice. The Library and Boys, Irene Van Cleck in Madison, New Jersey, a bird club of boys met twice a week, once for study and once for an expedition, and found the library's resources on this topic to be of interest and value. How to utilize profitably the activities of a gang of boys is worth much planning. One librarian is reported to have started a chair-caning class to interest restless boys, another had a museum of flowers and insects, Another conducted a branch of the flower mission. Not less interesting, and perhaps more instructive, is a series of talks on Indian legends, accompanied by hunting expeditions for the half-buried implements and relics found in almost every meadow in some parts of the country. Boys are eager to learn about natural history and natural science, and they will be encouraged at the public library. The Library by J.C. Dana Get good books. Give them a home attractive to readers of good books. Name a friend of good books as mistress of this home, and you have a library. All share in its support, and all get pleasure and profit from it if they will. Without divisions, religious, political, or social, it unites all in the pursuit of high pleasure and sound learning, and it gives that common interest in a common concern, which is the basis of all local pride. 
If you have rightly read a book, that book is yours. You cannot always choose your companions. You can always choose your books. You can, if you will, spend a few minutes every day with the best and wisest men and women the world has ever known. The people you have known, the things you have said and done, and the books you have read, all these are now a part of you. You like yourself better when you are with people who are well-bred and clever. You respect yourself more when you are reading a bright and wholesome book, for you are then in the company of the wise. And this from Theodore Roosevelt. After the church and the school, the free public library is the most effective influence for good in America. The moral, mental, and material benefits to be derived from a carefully selected collection of good books, free for the use of all the people, cannot be overestimated. No community can afford to be without a library. Shall we be loyal to the city of our home? This is from the Iowa Library Commission. The opportunity is at hand to answer this question. A generous gift is offered. Shall we accept it? We can have blank dollars for public use if we will promise to support the use to which this money is dedicated. Shall blank have a free public library? It is up to us, her citizens. We have passed the stage of a country town and are ranked and catalogued as a modern progressive city, enjoying many of the advantages of the larger cities. Why is this true? Because the progressive spirit and sentiment have always triumphed in her onward march. Because, inspired by a public spirit, her people have joined hands and shoulder to shoulder labored for all that pertains to religious, moral, social, industrial, educational, and material development. Let us keep marching on. Many towns in the state, nearly all those in the counties surrounding us, are accepting Carnegie gifts for libraries. Will it not humiliate and degrade us in the eyes of the people of the state if we decree against a public library? Let us not detract from our well-deserved and established reputation for progressiveness by such a mistake. We appeal to public spirit, to pride of city, to pride of home, and urge you to register your vote in favor of this enterprise. And this from William Jennings Bryan. The system of free public libraries now being established in this country is the most important development of modern times. The library is a center from which radiates an ever-widening influence for the enlightenment, the uplift, the advancement of the community. The School's Greatest Boon by C.C. Thatch The greatest boon that the system of public schools or the college or the university can confer upon any boy or girl is to teach them or her to use a great collection of literature to teach them how to read, and to plant within their hearts an irresistible impulse and an indestructible delight in doing so. What profits it a man to learn how to read if he does not read? For what purpose is the mind trained and developed by the process of systematic study in the schools if it is not inspired to go farther into the realms of knowledge? Is it a rational procedure for one, upon the completion of his course of training, to discontinue all further investigation, and to lay aside what little love for learning and literature and philosophy and science that may have been aroused in his bosom by school or college inspirations? 
and how is this advancing and widening of one's horizons by means of the accumulated stores of knowledge gathered by the previous generations of the world's strong thinkers and beautiful writers to be secured other than by a collection of good books by a library books and study work by holly n y standard have our missionary societies access to bliss's encyclopedia of missions or to dennis's great missions and christian progress do our bible students know moulton's literary study of the bible a book so illuminating as to seem almost itself inspired how many of the members of the young people's societies of our churches have access to a standard concordance bible dictionary or a dictionary of sects and doctrines has the WCTU, the reports of the Committee of Fifty, that great committee of masterminds, who made exhaustive investigation and authoritative reports on the various aspects of the liquor question? Have the Masons a history of Freemasonry? Has the Shakespeare Club books on Shakespeare? And is the Political Equality Club acquainted with standard works on political science and the franchise? Who has good cyclopedia of quotations or a reader's handbook where we can satisfy our curiosity regarding allusions to fair Rosamond, apples of Hesperia, Atlantis, and Captain Cuttle? If we were to see a farmer laboriously cutting his wheat with a scythe, tagging it into bundles by hand, and then carrying the bundles on his back to the barn, we would think he was crazy. Is it not as foolish, however, for us in our study work to do without the suitable tools and helps which we might have in a public library? Why Cities Support Public Libraries by James Holm Kenfield The proposition that only an enlightened and an intelligent people can make self-government a success is so self-evident as to make argument but a vain repetition of empty words. And yet we know that the public school side of our system of free public education is as yet only able to secure five years schooling for the average child in this country, an all too narrow portal through which to enter upon successful citizenship. There is an imperative demand, then, for the establishment and the development and for the wise administration of that other branch of our system of free public education, which we know as the public library. We must understand clearly that the beneficent result of this system of education is just as possible to the son of the peasant as to the son of the president, is just as helpful to the blacksmith as to the barrister, to the farmer as to the philosopher, and in its possibilities and in its helpfulness is a constant blessing to all and through all and is needed by all alike. The most worthy mind, that which is of most value to the world, is the well-informed mind, which is public and large. Only through the development of such, both as leaders and as followers, can all classes be brought into an understanding of each other, can we preserve true republican equality, can we avoid that insulation and seclusion which are unwholesome and unworthy of true American manhood." The state has no resources at all comparable with its citizens. A man is worth to himself just what he is capable of enjoying, and he is worth to the state just what he is capable of imparting. These form an exact and true measure of every man. 
the greatest positive strength and value therefore must always be associated with the greatest positive and practical development of every faculty and power this then is the true basis of taxation for public libraries such a tax is subject to all the canons of usual taxation and may be defended and must be defended upon precisely the same grounds as we defend the tax for the public schools why mr carnegie establishes libraries by andrew carnegie i choose free libraries as the best agencies for improving the masses of the people because they give nothing for nothing they only help those who help themselves. They never pauperize. They reach the aspiring, and open to these the chief treasures of the world, those stored up in books. A taste for reading drives out lower tastes. Besides this, I believe good fiction is one of the most beneficial reliefs to the monotonous lives of the poor. For these and other reasons, I prefer the free public library to most, if not any, other agencies for the happiness and improvement of a community. Two Teachers by J.C. Dana Libraries are established that they may gather together the best of the fruits of the tree of human speech, spread them before men in all liberality, and invite all to enjoy them. The schools are in part established that they may tell the young how to enjoy this feast. They do this. They teach the young to read. They put them in touch with words and phrases. They point out to them the delectable mountains of human thought and action, and then let them go. It is to be lamented that they go so soon. At twelve, at thirteen, at fourteen at the most, these young men and women whose lives could be so broadened, sweetened, mellowed, humanized by a few years' daily contact with the wisest, noblest, wittiest of our kind as their own words portray them, at this early age when reading has hardly begun, they leave school, and they leave almost all of the best reading at the same time. If, now, you can bring these young citizens into sympathy with the books the libraries would persuade them to read, if you can impress upon them the reading habit, then the libraries can supplement your good work, will rejoice in empty shelves, will feel that they are not in vain, and the coming generations will delight, one and all, in that which good books can give, will speak more plainly, will think more clearly, will be less often led astray by false prophets of every kind, will see that all men are of the one country of humanity, and will, to sum it all, be better citizens of a good state. I believe you will find there is something yet to do in reading which the library can be of help. Reading comes by practice. The practice which a pupil gets during school hours does not make him a quick and skillful reader. There is not enough of it. If you encourage the reading habit and lead the habit, as you easily can, along good lines, your pupils will gain much simply in knowledge of words, in ability to get the meaning out of print, even though we say nothing of the help their reading will give them in other ways. Right Use of Books Printed in the Dial, February 1, 1906. When we consider how much the education that is continued after school time depends upon the right use of books, we can hardly be too emphatic in asserting that something of that use should be learned in the school. Yet almost nothing of the sort really is learned. 
the average student in high school does not know the difference between a table of contents and an index does not know what a concordance is does not know how to find what he wants in an encyclopedia does not even know that a dictionary has many other uses besides that of supplying definitions still more pitiful is his naive assumption that a book is a book and that what book it is does not particularly matter it is the commonest of all experiences to hear a student say that he has got a given statement from a book and to find him quite incapable of naming the book that the source of information as long as that information is printed somewhere should be of any consequence is quite surprising to him and still more the suggestion that it is also his duty to have some sort of an opinion concerning the value and credibility of the authority he thus blindly quotes if the school library and the instruction given in connection with it should do no more than impress these two elementary principles upon the minds of the whole student body it would go far towards accounting for itself as an educational means that it may and should do much more than this is the proposition that we have sought to maintain how its essential reasonableness may be gainsaid the true spirit of democracy by waller irene bullock the library supplies information for mechanics and working men of every class just as the system of apprenticeship declines and employers require trained helpers must the usefulness of the library increase library work offers great opportunity for philanthropy and philanthropy of the higher form because its work is preventive rather than positive it anticipates evil by substituting the antidote beforehand it fosters the love of what is good and uplifting before low tastes have become a chronic propensity pleasure in such books as the library would furnish to young readers will interest the mind and occupy the thoughts exclusive of those evil practices invited by the open door of idleness the children generally come of their own free will they are influenced silently unconsciously to themselves they feel themselves welcome loved respected self-respect the mighty power to lift and keep erect is fostered and developed the work of the library is for civic education and the making of good citizens a form of patriotism made imperative for the millions of foreigners coming yearly to our shores the public library offers common ground to all there are no social lines to bar the entrance the doors open at every touch if only the simple etiquette of quiet earnest bearing is observed no creeds are to be subscribed to the rich and poor meet together in absolute independence even aristocracy of intellect does not count in the people's university the ideal public library realizes the true spirit of democracy the public library as the center of the community by w e foster in more than one locality the public library has come to be recognized as the natural local center of the community around which revolve the local studies the local industries and all the various local interests of the town or village here for instance is the home of the local historical society here also is the home of the local camera club of the natural history society of the study club and debating societies why is this 
it is because those in charge of the library have so thoroughly realized the fact that in a community the interests of all are the interests of each and that while this is true of other institutions as related to each other yet there is no one of them on which the lines of interest so invariably converge from all the others as all roads lead to rome public libraries by w r eastman the very presence of a public library has a meaning and exerts a power for good especially is this the case when the presence is made evident by a separate and worthy building the building which stands for books for knowledge for the records of human experience a house not just like other houses but with marks of permanence dignity and grace and evidently so contrived as to call the people in and to distribute freely to them these wise and entertaining books must be a positive influence in itself the children know it for what it is old and young rich and poor recognize its meaning it embodies the great idea of a man learning and growing by his association with the wisdom and experience of other men it is the great clearing-house of human intelligence where knowledge is mutually exchanged and everyone can learn what the rest know it tells the lowest and meanest and most ignorant that here is the opportunity open to everybody to know and therefore that books are a common concern of the village which by it sets great store if on the other hand the public library is neglected or starved with excessive thrift or if it is crowded into a corner opened at rare intervals and approached with difficulty all this influence is lost the increase of reading tends to be a general broadening of life human nature is selfish so long as a man is isolated for he is controlled by his impulses and passions and guided by his own narrow ideas our views of life are molded by reading the records are here describing lands and people we have never seen centuries in which we have not lived men who passed off the stage in past ages the discoveries of science the developments of workmanship the growth of civilization thought wit fancy feeling which has appealed to the world and that study the study of man is illustrated in infinitely diverse forms of story and song all these are in books and they give us the advantage of wide horizons and enlarged acquaintance with life a community leavened with such influences where people generally understand where all grow up from their youth to know to think to communicate and to have common acquaintance with the past and the distance and with the secrets of nature and all the many ways of doing things is a stronger happier and more prosperous community because of that very fact and the books are plainly a means to so desirable an end how a library helped the boys by beaver dam argus as the children have grown up since our library was established it is wonderful how their demands for books have widened a boy in his casual reading finds some particular branch of study in science mechanics art or politics which arouses a sleeping instinct straightway he forsakes his stories and his plays and goes to the library to satisfy his new desires year by year the demand upon the library has broadened and books have been added treating of electricity the x-ray wireless telegraphy mending bicycles 
telephones, beekeeping, care of pet animals, political, social, and economic questions, and still the books do not meet all demands. New subjects are called for, and new books must be bought and from f m crunden side by side in the wilderness our forefathers planted the church and the school and on these two supports the nation has stood firm and grown great but a tripod is necessary for stable equilibrium as the country has grown its industrial economic and political problems have grown more numerous and more complex and the nation required a broader base of intelligence and morality for its security and perpetuity the third support for a wider and higher national life has been found in the public library which cooperating with the school doubles the value of the education the child receives in school and further incites and furnishes him with facilities for doing so it also enables the adult to make up for the opportunities he neglected or more often did not have in early life it does this too at an expense to the community of not more than one-tenth of the cost per capita of school education the library support by alice s tyler this is the fundamental matter after all money whence shall the funds come the church plan the club plan all are dependent on the spasmodic and irregular support that results from the labors of a soliciting committee using persuasive arguments with businessmen and others there are certain expenses that are absolutely essential books first and most a room for which probably rent must be paid though some generous citizens may give the use of it periodicals to be subscribed for heat light table chairs etc besides the most important feature of the whole scheme the librarian the wisest form of organization is the tax-supported free public library is it desirable that the small town shall in its beginning in library matters attempt at once to secure a municipal tax to found and maintain a free library under the state law there are those who believe this is the only way to make a beginning Eventually, if not in the beginning, the free public library, on a rate or tax-supported basis, is the most desirable form of library organization. Why the free library should be supported by taxation by New York libraries? 1. Such a tax puts the library on the right basis as a public institution. The purpose of the library is the same as that of the school, public education, the enlargement and enrichment of the intellectual life of the community, and it should, therefore, be supported on the same grounds and by the same methods as the school. 2. The library, supported by local taxation, ceases to be a charity, contributed by the few to the many, and becomes the right and property of all. When I use a library supported by private gifts, I am accepting a favor. When I use a library supported by public tax, I am using what is mine by right. The tax thus promotes a feeling of independence and self-respect in the library's patrons. 3. Taxation is the easiest and fairest way to raise the needed money. $500 raised by entertainments, subscriptions, sales, etc. means a great burden of labor, care, and expense to a few, and usually to net that sum, a very much larger sum must be expended, 
while five hundred dollars spread on the tax rolls would hardly be felt even by the largest taxpayer four it adds dignity to the library and increases the respect in which it is held to be made each year an object of charity for which private subscriptions are solicited and rummage sales held tends to bring it into contempt and greatly lowers its influence in the community five a stated tax yielding a known and fixed income enables the trustee to pursue a consistent and stable plan for library development such as is impossible where the income is dependent on fluctuating impulse or effort six there is no village tax levied from which the people can get so large a return for so little money a five hundred dollar tax in a village of three thousand people is equivalent to about sixteen cents for each resident for this insignificant sum each person in the village is offered a pleasant reading-room as good as that supplied by many a club a dozen or more of the best periodicals a collection of books such as only a very few of the more wealthy can possess as individuals and about two hundred dollars worth of new books to read every year some advantages of municipal control new jersey public library commission first a free public library under municipal control has a regular known income which increases with the growth of the municipality second it is not dependent solely upon subscriptions contributions and the proceeds of entertainments arranged for its benefit third with an income that is certain the trustees are able to make plans for the future and more economically administer the affairs of the library fourth a municipally controlled library is owned by the people and experience has demonstrated that they take a much greater interest in an institution belonging to them fifth public libraries supplement the work of the public schools reading maketh a full man wrote lord bacon and thomas carlyle thus expressed the same idea the true university of these days is a collection of books libraries like the schools should be supported by the people sixth the library is not a charity neither should it be regarded as a luxury but rather as a necessity and be maintained in the same manner that the schools parks fire departments and public roads are maintained through the tax levy seventh where all contribute the burden is not felt each aiding according to his ability eighth permanency is acquired for the library and many valuable governmental state and other publications may be obtained without cost a privilege that is often denied to subscription libraries ninth the trustees and librarian are not hampered in their work by inability to collect subscriptions or the failure of an entertainment to return a profit tenth there is a more efficient and closer cooperation with the public schools and other municipal institutions and interests eleventh public ownership secures more democratic service and broadness in administration finally all are interested in the free public library and in an emergency there will be a more generous response to an appeal for financial assistance end of section three end of why do we need a public library read for you by michelle fry baton rouge louisiana in july two thousand seventeen